0: Ho, 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 everybody. My name is Greg Hancock, and along with my holly jolly friend, Patrick Curran, we make up Quantitude. We're a podcast dedicated to all things quantitative, ranging from the relevant to the completely irrelevant. As for today's episode, well, this time we're not going to tell you a darn thing. So grab some cookies and milk, or maybe a steaming cup of spiked eggnog, throw another log on the fire, and enjoy unwrapping some Quantitude holiday fun. We hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: It is so nice to be back to Quantitude Headquarters. I forgot what this place even looked like. Did you go through the first five floors? Because I went up the stairs instead of taking the express elevator. And I mean, there are people cubicle to cubicle and they cheered when I went through Everybody is so happy to be back in the office.
0: Yeah, I took the glass elevator on the outside, which was really nice. The view is amazing, so I didn't get a chance to see all the cubicles. But, oh, this place is just buzzing.
1: But your worries were completely unfounded because when we followed Musk's lead and required everybody to return to the workplace, you were like, oh, they're going to hate it. Dude, they held up signs as I was going through. I mean, accounting, communications, security, social outreach, all of them. It was just great. It was heartwarming. They are clearly very happy to be back in the office. Could you read the signs? No, I was moving quickly. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's going to be a lot
0: of good positive buzz, especially now that we're sort of coming together. and going to celebrate the holidays. It's been too
1: long. And it's really nice as we've got everybody here at Quantitude North America. But I don't know if I even told you this. I made a bit of a unilateral decision, but I've flown in the executive directors from Quantitude Europe, Quantitude Pacific Rim, Quantitude Africa, and Quantitude South America. Quantitude McMurdo Station from Antarctica was going to come in, but it turned out the plane disappeared in a storm. So I'll have to follow up with that later. Fingers crossed. Anyway, how fun it is to be back to Quantitude Headquarters. And what better way to start than with a nice holiday party? I think people are going to be really excited about this. What I love about the party is you and I did not do this. Word on the street, I've got a mole down on the 18th floor, and they told me that the executive directors got together and they decided to hold a holiday party in honor of us and of being back in the office and of leaving their homes, leaving their loved ones during the holidays. And I got to tell you, if I was capable of crying, I would get a little teary right now. You, <laughs> I picture you like my
0: dishwasher where it always says that I need to add rinse agent, that you have a place somewhere where you need to reload tears. Hang on a second. Yeah. I'm going to
1: pull out an eyelash. Okay. Ah! There, see?
0: Uh,
1: no, not really. Okay. Anyway, yeah.
0: So, who took the lead on setting up this party?
1: Ah, executive vice president of Quantitude Europe, Dr. Laura Havers. Excellent. Yeah, this is so sweet. I'm going to go ahead and have Laura come in
0: just so we can take care of a few business things before the party. How's that sound?
1: Oh yeah, that'll be nice.
0: Okay, let me buzz.
1: Season's greetings.
0: Hi, Jiffy. Hi,
1: Jiffy. Hey, it's
0: so nice to hear from you because I would have a blue Christmas without you. <laughs> Have you been in the eggnog? I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hey, could you send Laura Havers in? Sure, she's out here. Thanks, Jiffy. And if you need anything, just give me a jingle. All right, thanks, buddy. We'll see you later on at the party. Sure thing. All right, Patrick, so what I thought Laura might do is maybe give us a little bit of an update on some things, and then we can party.
1: Yep. I mean, this is our gift to them, really, to let them celebrate us in the way that they have planned, and so I'm really excited about this. Yeah,
0: this is nice.
1: Come on in. Hey, Laura, Laura, it's nice to see you.
2: Oh, hey, guys.
1: Was the flight from London okay?
2: Yeah, it was great.
1: That's wonderful. We are glad that you were able to leave your kids and fly over to join us here. It must be a real treat for you to be here. Yeah, it's,
2: it's, it's special. Um, it's Yeah, I mean... What do we what do we do?
0: Well, um, certainly we'd like you to give us a little bit of an update on how some progress has been made in the European sector. Uh, and then just a little bit more about the party that's coming. I'm told that you were really chief in organizing what's about to happen. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's all coming. I mean, I can't wait to show you what we've got lined up. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Do you have the financials for the last quarter for Quantitude Europe? Because I know the whole Ukrainian thing has directly impacted our margin in Q4. Ooh. Oof, yeah. But balancing it with Q2 and 3 can you give us a quick update on Quantitude Financials?
2: They're not great. QuantaCoin is down in Europe and the US. Ooh. We may switch to Lima Coin at some point, but we can talk about that later.
0: So in terms of some of the countries, how are we performing?
2: Yeah. So US, you're kind of hanging on in there. UK, I mean, you're gaining traction. It's slow progress. I mean, Germany, you've got, I think, one listener now.
0: Now, I thought we were killing it in Cyprus. Are we still?
2: No, oh, you are. You are killing it in Cyprus. Actually, we have no idea why. And but... Scandinavia? Yeah, I mean, I talked to Helga. She said, apart from that one episode where you had the Swedish flag in your episode graphic. Yeah. Yeah, that you've got two listeners. Oh.
1: Do you think that we've recovered from the incident where I was the Swedish chef talking about statistics?
2: Oh, no, they like that.
1: Oh, nice. Turned out you actually said some meaningful things in Swedish. More meaningful than you said in English. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Now, what we'd like to turn to, though, we have heard rumor Mm -hmm. that you're planning a surprise for us. And everybody coming in across the globe during holiday week and want to celebrate it with us instead of their family and friends and loved ones, we are touched.
0: Oh my gosh,
1: it's so sweet. So what happens? What's the plan?
2: What is the plan? Great question. So there's going to be some kind of Uh, Secret Father Christmas.
1: Wait, wait, wait. You mean Secret Santa?
2: This is Secret Father Christmas.
1: Just repeating it over and over again doesn't correct it. It's Secret Santa.
2: Okay, Secret Santa where we're going to have some surprises for you guys. (gasps) Do you like surprises?
1: Oh,
0: this is so sweet. Yeah. And I assume there's food.
2: Oh, yeah. There's a, what do you call it, a a buffet? Do you have that word?
1: (laughs) It's a French word, actually. (laughs) 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 Don't alienate our french listener (laughs) so what kinds of do you have british food
0: or what are we gonna have
2: like mince pies i know you guys love mince pies and bangers (laughs) we have bangers we have
0: spotted dick
2: spotted dick yeah he's here
0: (laughs) (laughs) i spot
1: him now
2: yeah, what else do we have? We have tea. You like tea, right? Um, um.
1: Yeah? It's not your country, but did you at least fly in some Guinness?
2: Guinness and Baileys are here for the party. Brilliant. I
1: am very excited.
2: I'm excited for the volavons. Do you have volavons?
1: I had it once, but it cleared up. Penicillin is amazing for that. Oh my gosh. Just our spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So if I may, just to recap, we are crushing it in Europe and there's still some room to move up, but I'm feeling really good about how everything is going and we have a party. What's next? What's going to happen?
2: Should we do the secret Santa now?
1: I'm up for it because I really need to go in about half an hour because my family is having a big dinner and we're going to do gifts exchange and then go caroling and then we walk the neighborhood and look at the lights. It's a really special time to be with your family. So if we can do this in like the next half hour, that would be great.
2: Sure. It's all about you. So let's do this.
1: All right. Where is the party? Is it in the ballroom or is it going to be in the grand foyer?
2: It's in the bathrooms. Oh. But it's nice. I put up some tinsel. Okay. We have nice bathrooms. We did just have the marble
1: replaced. Okay. You good? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Let's go. Okay. Okay.
0: So, Lori, I'm going to confess something. I generally don't like the whole Secret Santa thing.
1: I actually use Secret Santa as an example in my stats classes about something that's supposed to be random, but is actually not random, where you're supposed to randomly draw a name out of a hat, and then you secretly buy them a small gift, and then at the holiday party, you reveal who is your Secret Santa. Everyone I have ever participated in, ever, the air quote, random name I've drawn has all been a mortal enemy somehow <laughs> I don't know how it works
0: you have mortal
1: enemies everybody has mortal enemies that is so badass anyway you know what that is secret santa that is not secret father christmas oh i think this is different has to be i am very excited about this
2: okay here we are
0: oh my gosh look at all these people in the bathroom
2: okay the tossers are ready
0: what's tosser i'm not familiar with that expression yeah me either
2: um yes it's this word we have in the uk It means, um, you know, you just toss out all these beautiful ideas and this, yeah, this kind of poetic prose and... Oh, that's sweet. I am touched.
1: Does everybody in Quantitude Europe use that?
2: Specifically for you,
1: yeah. Wow. Oh, that's very sweet.
0: It's like creative genius, but with heart.
1: Like tossing it to other people. It's not just being a creative genius yourself but it's sharing it with those who are around you. That's exactly what it is. I love that. Thank you, Laura. That is very sweet.
2: No problem. All right.
1: So how does Secret Father Christmas work?
2: So first thing that you guys need to do is put on these Christmas jumpers. Uh, Christmas
1: jumpers?
0: That's what we use to start our car when the battery is dead. Those are jumpers. What's a jumper?
2: (laughs) do you call it? A sweater? A sweater. A sweater. Christmas sweater. This is so cool.
1: It's actually crocheted in. It says Get. What is that? Is that another term of endearment?
2: Yes, it is. Um, that, Patrick, is especially for you because you get things done.
1: Oh. That is
2: so awesome.
1: Oh, that looks so good on you, Patrick.
2: And this one says tosser.
1: Wow. So Greg's a tosser and I'm a git. Yeah. I am loving this.
2: I thought you would.
0: This is so sweet.
2: You are welcome.
1: Um, so how does this work?
2: Okay, so Father Christmas hat's on. Reindeer noses on. Uh Uh-huh. Looking good.
1: All right. Remember, Greg, we're doing this for the staff.
2: Yes, you are. Um, Okay. So the way we do things in Europe is Secret Father Christmas is we have six very special people here to deliver you gifts. But these are not actual gifts to open. They are gifts of knowledge and just a real test, special gift test for you.
1: Okay, part of me is really excited and this is so, so sweet. I got a little nervous about the word test.
2: Yeah, ignore that. Think of it as a gift.
0: Okay. I can't believe that you went to this trouble, that you actually found six people
1: who wanted to do a gift thing for us?
2: Yeah, they really, really wanted to do this for you.
1: I have not felt this touched in a long time.
2: Yeah, I did a whole staff email and got emails back from everyone, so I just had to pick the six that I thought were the most special and selected for you, Greg, and for you, Patrick.
1: That is so sweet, and these are all people we flew in for the holiday party. Exactly. Okay, I am totally game. This is so exciting.
2: Yes, it is.
1: Are those throne chairs for us to sit on? I mean, it looks like there are two (laughs) toilets that have a lot of red (laughs) stuff on it. Is that where we go?
2: That's where you go.
1: All right. So take a seat. So, Greg, accompany me to the porcelain throne. All right. So how does this work? Who gets a gift first? We flip a coin. Okay. I call heads. Okay, Patrick
0: called heads. It's the queen.
1: All right, so I win. I get to go first. So, an intellectual gift that one of my loving employees is going to share with me.
2: Okay, so your first gift, gift, test. Is? I'm sorry,
1: there's that word again. Why do you keep using that?
2: Okay, so here's what's gonna happen. Get Tossa, you ready?
1: Uh, yes.
2: Okay, so this is Secret Father Christmas pop quiz. What? <laughs> sorry, what? What? <laughs> 90 seconds on the clock. Wait, I don't like Secret Father Christmas. No. (laughs) Secret Father Christmas
1: is a pop quiz? That sucks. You've got us sitting on a toilet surrounded by our colleagues, and you're going to do a pop quiz as your gift
2: to us? Happy holidays.
1: (laughs) So Patrick gets his gift first.
2: 90 seconds. Do you use seconds in America?
1: We do use seconds. They're not metric seconds, though. Okay. I would like to formally protest what's happening right
2: now. You have to take that up with HR in the, the year. <laughs> Okay, now put on your big boy pants, gentlemen. <laughs> so I'm going to reach into my Christmas stocking and pull out the first name. Who's it going to be?
1: I am very scared right now.
2: It is... Andrea Howard, formerly of Carlton University, now our very own chief executive, sports liaison.
0: Yeah, Patrick, we've been doing a whole rebranding thing of curling in Canada. We invested $5 million to get the name changed from CU to QU. I think it's going to be huge.
1: Oh, no, this is so exciting. We were able to hire Andrea away from Carlton, and she's overseen it. She and her husband are quite the curling aficionados. So we're really excited. Yeah. Okay, this is not bad. Andrea and I go way back... And indeed, my sir paper, the LCMSR, is I could not have done that without her involvement. This is great. Okay, I'm not nervous anymore.
2: Okay, Andrea, come on up. Hi. Hey, Andrea. Ready for some payback? Um. Because I still remember how you got me fired for a week after filling out some paperwork wrong. I had to go back to Canada to fix my passport. Anyway, here's my question. In Season 3, Episode 7, the so-called In Defense of Researcher Degrees of Freedom episode, you were a little hostile about pre-registration. It turns out that actual scientists, Patrick, who gather real data for a living, think it's a pretty useful way to do rigorous research. For my question, I'd like you to pretend you're, like, a real scientist and describe pre-registration's specific benefits as a useful tool that helps reasonable people to advance their disciplines. Think you can handle that?
1: Wow. Laura? Come on, Patrick. I, okay, I did screw up paperwork and she did have to fly back to Canada to get a stamp so that she could come back to North Carolina. And Andrea, I deeply, deeply regret that. I am sorry. you got 90 seconds. Uh... Um. Okay. Uh, replication crisis is we, the field of psychology and the behavioral sciences has a replication crisis. One of the reasons is uh, uh, questionable research practices. People overfit their models to their data. They make idiosyncratic decisions into the garden of forking paths and we can't replicate the finding. Pre-registration, you go online, you lay out a plan, you say what the variables are, what the measures of the sampling, the analysis is. It distinguishes what's called post-diction from prediction. You double down on the prediction. There are tons of advantages to this. I love pre-registration. It enhances transparency. It enhances communication and honesty. It protects against finding idiosyncratic results that fit only your sample of data. It enhances replicability. It increases the ability to uh, uh, clarify with your collaborators what the goals of the study are so that there aren't different decisions made by different people. Ah! Um, Is... What this does is it does not undermine exploratory, but it drops a really nice line between what are exploratory studies and what are confirmatory studies. Pre-registration does not guarantee to solve the replication crisis, but it increases the probability that individuals will make decisions on an a priori way in which to test hypotheses that are not data-driven, not following a garden of forking paths, and... (laughs) Nice, Laura. I like the ringtone. Okay, wait, wait, wait. The ringtone is the Love Actually song? Just for you. I I love Love Actually. I hate that song. (laughs) Can I close the stall door a minute? I need a minute to myself. That was horrible. Okay, over 100 plus episodes, I have taken various stands that I do not regret. All right, I have alluded to the only good horse is a horse in dog food. I want New Year's resolutions outlawed. All right, I have implied that the only beer that should be consumed is Guinness. I stand by all of these. I was misunderstood by being anti-pre-registration. Now, if you're going to go back and listen to the words that I actually spoke, I unambiguously was criticizing pre-registration but that was misunderstood okay Okay. (laughs) does that make sense yeah all right i am a significant supporter of pre-registration i think there are a myriad of advantages to this i think this is the future of our field my concern at the time was the rigidity with which it was being implemented by many students who I had encountered. And that entire episode was sparked by the woman who you and I were teaching. Yep. And she accused us of unethical research practices by looking at eigenvalues in an exploratory factor analysis. Yeah. And that was the genesis. So I am glad. I thank Andrea. Andrea, thank you for giving me the opportunity to clarify my point, is I am an unambiguous supporter of preregistration.
0: Didn't you have a thing about no banana peels in your garbage can? Also? No
1: banana peels, ever.
0: Okay. Um, so that was like a Christmas catharsis for you to get that out. You feel better? Do you want me to use smaller words? <laughs>
1: I'm not sure what my catheter has to do with anything. <laughs> Did you relieve yourself? <laughs> no, so it does involve my catheter. I do feel relieved. <clears throat> so thank you for that gift, Laura. I would now like to see how the tosser handles his.
2: <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to reach into the Christmas stocking again. Who's it going to be? Are you excited?
0: Uh, that question Patrick got was a little pointed, but let's see what you got. Well,
1: and hard, like prior pop quizzes. Even with the unbridled, unvarnished rage of Ethan's revenge, <laughs> questions were like confidence interval, yeah, or standard error. This seems like a little escalation in difficulty. Laura, were you in Slytherin? <laughs>
0: Because I thought when we hired you, you were a Ravenclaw, but I'm feeling like you were in Slytherin.
2: Yes, I was. I lied on my application. Okay. Okay, so next to come out of the stocking is. Okay, it's Dan Bauer, formerly of University of North Carolina, now Quantitude Executive Vice President of Acronyms. Dan Bauer. Dan Bauer, come on up.
1: Dude, I do not feel good about this. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much for inviting me to your cute little podcast holiday office party.
2: You are welcome. I have a secret
1: Santa pop quiz question for my dear friend Patrick's sidekick on the little podcast, Craig. It's Greg. What? Oh, sorry, Greg. Anyway, my question is about mixture models, something that Patrick and I have written a fair amount about together, the two of us. Greg, as you know, one of the biggest challenges when fitting mixture models can be deciding on the number of classes. Can you explain why we can't just use a standard likelihood ratio test when comparing solutions with different numbers of classes, and why we often have to resort to other methods to help enumerate the number of classes? Hey Patrick, see you over at the house later when we hang out, you know, like good friends do. Friends who've been through thick and thin together and watched one another's kids grow up. The kind of friendship you only have once in a lifetime.
0: So, Craig, um... Hey, it's tosser to you, mister. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you really did ratchet up the difficulty on this. You started the clock right away for me, Laura. Let's go.
2: Good point. 90 seconds. Go.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, 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 All right, fine. So... You know, you and I talk a lot about fit indices and the chi-square. We talk about model chi-squares. But in fact, it's really like a T statistic, capital T, not Gossett's student's T. And the T is only really a chi-square when it follows a chi-square. The same is true when you're comparing two models. I don't care what the models are. If the models are nested, if they have some kind of hierarchical relation, you can do what we call a chi-square difference test, but a chi-square difference test isn't a chi-square difference test unless that statistic, that difference statistic, actually follows a chi-square distribution. And the problem with mixture models where you have different numbers of classes, like two classes versus three classes, technically those models are nested. But the problem is that the different statistic doesn't actually follow a chi-square very well. Because setting a mixing parameter to zero pegs it against a boundary, and so the test statistics don't fluctuate according to a chi-square distribution. So we have to use other things. We can use things that emulate a chi-square distribution, like uh, Low mendel and Rubin, or vuong Low mendel and Rubin sort of have these fake likelihood ratio tests. We can do bootstrap, which works really, really well, where we we generate data according to the small number of classes and then bootstrap it. And we can use information criteria. We can... (laughs)
1: Wow. (laughs) I miss questions about, like, the difference between a mean, median, and mode. Remember the good old days with Pop Quiz? (laughs) What's a (laughs) p-value?
0: The escalation here. Thank you, Vengeance Spice, or whatever your Spice Girl name would be. (laughs) Wow. Um... All right, I oh boy, I didn't get to a lot of things. I could have talked more about how the bootstrap actually works. I tried to shoehorn it in there. Um, you know, we had a whole episode on information criteria, which are used a lot, like Bayesian information criterion and that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know. Did I
1: hit it at all? Was I close? <laughs> now I'm sweating. Laura, did he give the kind of answer that you expected from him as well? Did I toss it? Did I totally <laughs> toss it?
2: You totally tossed that. Oh yeah,
0: thank you. <laughs> Okay, please tell me it's Patrick's turn, please.
2: Are you ready? No! (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to draw another name out of the stocking. Who could it be? Mm. Get your thinking, bar the Christmas hats on. (laughs) Okay, and it's going to be Dave McKinnon, formerly of Arizona State University, now Executive Director of HR at Quantitude, specializing in conflict mediation and hostage negotiations.
1: (laughs) I got to tell you, we added the second part of that responsibility when Dave joined us at Quantitude International, because there is a much higher need for hostage negotiations (laughs) among Quantitude employees than you would expect by chance alone. We sold him on the mediation. Yep. He thought it was like a lateral move. (laughs) Exactly. We told him he was going to come in as an expert on mediation. And boy, you give a guy one Kevlar jacket. You know, somebody didn't refill the coffee pot and he tased them. I don't know if you got that memo, but anyway. Oh my god, that's why I found Jiffy passed out. He got tased? He got tased by McKinnon for not emptying. a lemur? He tased a lemur (laughs) for not making new coffee after taking the last cup. Oh. I'm a little worried about McKinnon. He's getting too much into this job, but... I love Dave. I was a grad student when Dave came to ASU. I took his very first class he taught at ASU. So, okay, maybe Andrea's was challenging, but I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. Dave! Hey, Dave. This is for Patrick,
2: who I knew way back when he was a grad student at ASU. Do you still have that earring?
1: I have not had the earring for a while. (laughs) Anyway... Here's my question. For many decades, there's been a rift between psychologists who argue for experimental methods to study psychology and
2: researchers who argue for more of a focus on individual differences. Can you explain what the beloved experimental mediation model is and how it tries to address the needs of both? Are you
1: shitting me? You couldn't ask about Delta Method or about bootstrapping or about Baron and Kenny? Damn! I blame Laura.
2: Okay, will you quit being a whiny little sod and just get on with it?
1: What is a sod?
2: Ah, oh, So sod is another one of the British words we have uh, to describe someone who is brave and charismatic and always funny.
1: I want to be a sod. You're a tosser. I'm a sod. (laughs) But you're a git and a sod. Well, just wait your turn.
2: You are all of these things to so many people. Okay. Okay, so, you got 90 seconds. Um, I got, uh... Okay.
1: You know what's awesome? To my 90 seconds, you need to allow me to go out back and dig up John Stuart Mill. I'm going to drag him back in and he's going to remind us that we have three conditions for inferring causation. We have temporal precedence. We have... Uh, observe covariation, and we have no alternative hypotheses. And so, a ton of work has been done in mediation where you randomly assign to the predictor and then you look at the mediator and the outcome. And what it turns out is the randomization works really well when you randomize to the predictor to the mediator, but you don't randomize the freaking mediator, is that you actually don't have randomization to the mediator. And so, mm-hmm. you can't have the same strength of causal inference from the mediation to the outcome. And so, you get into this really cool thing called called manipulation of mediators designs where you not only randomize to the predictor, but then there are all these super clever ways of randomizing to the mediator as well. A lot of which make absolutely no sense to me because it is so freaking cool and above my pay grade. But there are these different kinds of designs and you can do A double randomization and you do X to Y and then, or excuse me, you do X to the mediator and then you do a randomization of mediator to the Y, but then you don't get a single uh, mediated effect because they're separate. You have double randomizations, you have parallel designs, and it's really hard to do well because when you do some kind of double randomization, you actually build in a moderator. I'm still going. You build in a moderator because the effect no. of the moderator depends upon the randomization of the prediction, and that's the answer to manipulation of mediators. Thank you, Dave. I, we're we're going to need a hostage negotiator in here. Stat. <laughs> Dave, you don't have to wear your Kevlar jacket everywhere you go. Laura, you're turning up the heat
0: here.
2: That's how we roll.
1: (laughs) I got to tell you is I would love to say, oh my God, I wish I had more time to talk about everything that I know (laughs) about manipulation of mediators. But the 90 second clock was a godsend because quite honestly, not only was that sufficient time for me to tell you everything I know about it, but that I actually had to repeat a couple of things to fill the entire 90 seconds. (laughs) What was it, like, double super secret manipulation? (laughs) No, you got to go read. Dave has a couple of papers with a colleague of his, Angela Pierlot. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing the name. And it tells you everything you need to know about this stuff. If you're a grad student or a postdoc looking for new interesting things to do, this is insanely cool. But what I love about the question is we again rub baby oil over ourselves and flex in front of the mirror about our randomized design and causal inference, but that's only from the predictor to the mediator. When we have the mediator to the outcome, it's just back to correlational inference as usual. So I think this is profoundly important, and there's also a ton of really interesting work to be done. Wow. I'm impressed. Me too. You did that in a big way. <laughs> I did. Was I a sod,
2: Laura? You're a massive sod.
1: Okay, awesome. Good for you. Now, the only thing that I'm looking forward to now... There's someone for Greg.
2: (laughs) Yes, there is. Should we see who comes out next?
1: How come you couldn't invite cool people to this
0: party, like Harry Styles or Daniel Craig or somebody really cool and awesome?
2: Actually, do you know Daniel Craig has a house around the corner from me?
1: Get out. For real?
2: Yeah, for real.
1: So you guys do holiday parties? We do. Does he walk out in the morning shirtless through the sprinkler to get his mail? Slowly. (laughs) Slowly.
2: Exactly. So next up, shall I reach into the stocking again?
1: If you must. I'm looking forward to this.
2: Who's coming out? It's, aha, it is Jessica Flake, formerly of McGill University. And since her highly recognized work on measurement, we have hired her as head of marketing.
1: Here at we are the only S&P 500 company that has an international marketing division.
0: Uh, I've actually known Jess since she was a grad student at James Madison University all those years ago. And I even had a chance to hang out with her, how was it last year, maybe, at the Conference of the American Educational Research Association, where she pretty much trashed your answer on pre-registration, Patrick.
1: Yeah, that was deserved. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Okay, Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. Hi. It's great to see you. Thanks to whoever invited me to your lame little office party. I've got a secret Santa pop quiz question for Greg. What the f*** are psychonetrics? Not psychometrics, psychonetrics. Anyway, I'm out. Is there a pickle bar? What about bourbon? I heard there was an open bar.
1: Wait, is there a pickle bar? I love pickles. What's a pickle? (laughs) (laughs) What's a pickle? This is why you no longer have an empire. (laughs)
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> Surely you must have like vinegar soaked mini cucumbers? You mean gherkins. So do we have a gherkin bar here?
1: Yeah. Oh, speaking of returning to Jessica's question. What? <laughs> I'm stalling. I
2: have what oh god. 90 seconds. Time is starting now.
1: Okay. <laughs> this question
0: is awful. Um psychonetrics uh, is a play on words. It would be like saying Jess is from Canada and Kentucky, and calling it Kentucky. It's just two words. It's it's psychometrics and network kind of models in one place, and that really is kind of all it is. It's much bigger than that, but it's just bringing two things together, uh, like like chocolate and peanut butter, or. Was it, bangers and mash? Is that the two things that go together? Anyway, anyway, I know I'm stalling. Um, All right, so network models are looking at associations among anything. They could be uh, among people. They could be among variables. So among people, we have things like social network models. Um, Among variables, we can talk about how close variables are to each other or how far variables are from each other. Uh, in space, we can do that geometrically. We can do that in terms of strength of association.
2: Thirty seconds. And when
0: we are in psychometrics, we often talk about variables having relations because they have some underlying factor, some latent variable that drives them. But what if there are other types of relations among them? We might have a cluster of symptoms, and we say, "Oh, those are all caused by an underlying disease." But maybe the symptoms cluster together for other reasons. So network models look at patterns and relations among variables and might identify communities of items, let's say, rather than factors by imposing network models instead of explicit psychometric models. So it's a, it's a, God damn it. I hate that question. It is a terrible question. That was mean. That was mean, Jess. That was just mean. I'm looking at
1: you. That was mean. Put down the pickle. That was mean. Craig, I'm starting to get a vague sense that people are a little upset that we made them come back to Quantitude International. <laughs> Who can answer
0: that I mean, that's a huge question. Network models are huge. Psychometrics
1: is huge. The
0: intersection of those two things is massive and analytically complicated Oh, my God. It is a huge area. There's some really cool work done on it. There's a package by Sasha Epskamp called Psychonetrics, I think. A really good paper by Denny Borsboom in – I'm trying to think of what it was. It wasn't Nature, but it was like Nature. It was like Nature Reviews that sort of lays out the role of network models and how they can work with psychometric models. So it's really, really cool and it sticks a shoehorn into the traditional psychometric models that we have, like factor analysis and item response theory, and allows for different types of relations among the variables, whether they're probabilistic or covariance-based or other kinds of things. So it's, it's very cool, and it has exploratory and confirmatory flavors to it. Honestly, I don't know a ton about it. And so I think that question was just... Mean and vindictive and pointed, and I'm bitter about it, honestly.
1: Well, I have two observations, if I may. (laughs) One is you just continuing to talk about it after the 90 seconds was up (laughs) was just a very tosser-like way of trying to fit additional information in. Well, that's nice. The other is, is yet again, and I think this cuts across all pop quiz episodes that we have had, I have questions about your clock management, because given what you just said of spending one third of your time talking about Kentucky and bangers and mash may not have been an ideal use of the available resources.
0: Yeah, that wasn't my sawdust answer, I have to say.
1: Well, I would like to personally thank Jess for that question. Uh-huh. <laughs> I enjoyed that thoroughly. Whatever. Because I'm sure this wraps things up. We're about out of time, right?
2: No, we are not, Patrick. All good things come in threes. Like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, the
1: Lord of the Rings,
2: the
1: Matrix. Can, can we just stop with? Nope, with, we're gonna father, son, Holy Ghost this baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a hat trick for Dave McKinnon. Yeah, Dave did play hockey. Yeah, and quite an accomplished hockey player. Legit. And Andrea Howard is an accomplished curler with a Q.
0: Copyright Quantitude International. <laughs>
1: Okay, if we can do a third one to finish this thing up and you will let us out of the bathroom stall, <laughs> I'm all on board.
2: Okay, let's do it. So the next one is for Patrick.
1: All right, let's get it done.
2: Okay, going to pull someone out the stocking again. Who is it going to be? Any guesses, Patrick? I just, no. <laughs> it's exciting. Okay, so Lisa Hoffman, formerly of University of Iowa. We have hired her in as executive director of longitudinal design and analysis because obviously there was no in-house expertise on any of that before she joined. <laughs> okay, Lisa, take it away.
1: Sick burn. Okay, wait, that, okay. Longitudinal? Long, longitudinal? G- longitudinal? Is that what you meant to say? What did I say? Longit- longitudinal.
2: Longitudinal. <laughs> Patrick,
1: don't make this go
0: longer than it needs
1: to. <laughs> All right. Well, Lisa, at least I'm going to end on a positive note. Lisa is one of the sweetest, kindest people I know. She is an expert, as we determined, in longitudinal analyses. (laughs) And actually keeping the athletic theme as we move from curling to hockey is Lisa is a marathoner, which I am deeply impressed with. And so, okay, I'm looking forward to this. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Welcome.
2: I've never done this whole secret Santa thing before, so I hope I'm getting it right. I'd like to hear Patrick's take on one of my least favorite questions to answer. Why is it that we talk about time as nested in persons when time is actually crossed with persons instead in many cases? Can you please clarify this for us? F***! (laughs) you got 90
1: seconds. Go. Okay, okay, okay. This one is an easy one. So think about a standard structural nested design where you have kids within classrooms. We have a straight vertical nesting. We have multiple kids who are nested within classroom, but then we have horizontal distributions on the classrooms. So we've got vertical within, horizontal between, all right? That's a classic nesting, individuals nested within classrooms. Now, when people talk about time nested within individual, we no longer have that perpendicular vertical horizontal relation in the nesting because instead of having nested within time, we actually have what's called a cross-classified model. Now cross-classification, imagine as a grid where we have vertical running in one direction, we have horizontal running in the other, and each individual at each time point fills a point on the grid, kind of like where the chicken poops in the grid and you win $20 when you're in Nicaragua. So what we really have is Lisa's raising this really excellent point about how we really no longer have vertical-horizontal structuring in the model is that each individual is sussed in a grid in one of those cells within the vertical-horizontal cross-classified nature of the nesting. And so it's truly not nested. It is cross-classified. Now we can have a cross-cross-classified where instead of having an orthogonal 90-degree between the vertical and the horizontal, we can have a 45-degree where there's a nesting and cross-classified person within classroom, student within classroom, person within classroom, Person within person, time within time, time within classroom that goes horizontal, perpendicular, 45 degrees, and then there's a loop, a loopy loop.
0: (laughs) I'm like, I'm laughing. That was the most (laughs) Spectacular (laughs) Bullshit I don't know
1: I don't know the answer I have never heard Of nesting versus classified Oh my gosh Lisa What a wonderful question If for no other reason than I have no Idea (laughs) Like This is not some weirdo, esoteric thing. Like, this is my day job. Three decades of my life I have spent (laughs) on longitudinal analyses. And I have no idea. Could somebody ask me what a p-value is? (laughs) Or type 1 versus type 2 error? This makes Ethan look downright friendly. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying something.
2: (laughs) Okay, enough of this, boys. Let's move on.
0: Uh, I know what that means. By now, (laughs) I know know. what that
1: means. Can I head to the bar while you do this?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, you cannot.
1: Actually, I do want to stay because I have a cherished memory once of being at a Boston hotel snowed in. I was sitting with a friend in the bar looking down on the intersection as a blizzard is blowing And every single car that went around the corner would slowly spin out (laughs) and then back up and go forward. And then the next car would come. Uh And we sat there for an hour. Nobody ever got hurt. There were no crashes, but it was one of the highlights of my life. And I kind of feel like I'm doing that with you, Hancock. <laughs> so please, <laughs> Executive Vice President Havers, can you introduce the next person?
2: With pleasure. Okay. The sack is getting empty, but I'm going to reach down.
1: Come on. I've been sitting here waiting for a car to go around the corner and spin out. Uh,
0: go ahead. Dig deep, Laura.
2: Okay. I'm digging. I'm reaching. Okay, the final name to come out of the sack is Ellen Hamaker.
0: That one's not for Patrick, that's actually for me.
2: Especially for you.
0: Booyah! Um, hi Ellen. Hello. Welcome, Ellen. Now we've tried to hire Ellen away from Utrecht, but haven't found the right position for her here yet. But she did agree to come and spend some holiday time with us today, and we're really happy about that. Thanks, Ellen.
2: I love your show, and I'm so happy to be here.
0: All right, that's a good start.
2: My secret Santa Pop quiz question is for you, Greg. Here it goes. Can you describe to me four different kinds of lagged effects in dynamic structural equation modeling? And because it's after office hours now, I'll give you an extra hint. I'm only talking about DSEM, so no need to think about our DSM here. You've got this one, Greg.
1: Wait, 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 wait. I want to order another Guinness because I see headlights coming down the road and I am really excited.
0: Um, I I really need a minute before I answer, Patrick. I, I really... Wait,
1: dude, uh, is that a Snapple bottle? I gotta pee. I, I gotta pee. You are not doing a Snapple bottle here. If you need a minute to go take care of business, okay, do it. All right. Out. Go. all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. <sighs>
0: Oh, sorry, Jiffy. Ethan? What are you guys doing? Playing a little holiday poker. Why is Ethan in his underwear? I'm trying to concentrate here. Okay, sorry. Ha, huh. two pairs, kings over seven. Read him and weep, Dutch boy. Straight flush. Shit. Come on, come on, come on, come on.
1: Answer, 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 answer. Dan, it's Greg. That's a a lot of nerve after the last time that you talked to me. So what is this about? This better be quick.
0: Dude, I really, really need a favor. Can you help me out? McNeish, come on. I
1: mean, uh, it might cost you, but it's possible. So it depends. Okay.
0: Holiday spirit, right? All right. Here's the deal. Okay. Patrick and I are uh, like all the top scholars are here doing some pop quiz stuff right now.
1: I'm, I'm not there, unless you're implying that I'm not i I'm, a- I'm
0: really sorry. I, I wasn't the one who actually reached out and contacted people. The staff here at Quantitude North America completely ambushed us. Ah,
1: okay.
2: Does he do this a lot?
1: Every time we record. Every time. It goes in him in the first hour, and it comes out of him in the second hour. Okay,
0: Ellen Homaker is here, and she has some question about four different types of lagged effects in dsem. And I have no freaking idea what she's talking about.
1: Uh, she corrected most of the paper that I wrote with her on that, so uh, I'll do my best.
0: All right, whatever you got, man, whatever you got.
1: I have no idea where these Snapple bottles end up, but it is deeply disturbing. I'm coming back.
0: I'm coming back. Everything's good. Thank you for letting me go to the bathroom. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right, Hancock, we're getting bored here. Are you ready, Greg? Uh, am I ready?
1: I'm... Yeah, okay, yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm ready.
2: Time has started.
1: Don't be weird about this, Hancock, just answer it. Okay.
2: Ten seconds, gone.
1: <laughs> okay, um, dynamic structural
0: equation models, which are wicked cool, combine the strengths of time series, multi, multi-level modeling, and structural equation modeling... Dr. Hummerker's question could be interpreted in a couple of different ways. It could be that this is in reference to structures like variable-to-variable autoregressive paths or cross-leg paths involving two variables like in a, a, a vec- vector, what? Oh, vector autoregressive models um, or the same two things for error structures where those key key variables are deep de- dependent. But she ruled out residual DSEM, so that probably isn't it. Her question could also be taken to mean how do we standardize those lagged effects. So it could be like grandstand, grandstandardized, uh, between standardized within standardized and average within-person standardization. Um, Either way, her question shows a keen insight and vision like Tom Brady does in American football. And she would be a fantastic guest to have on Quantitude, not unlike Dan McNeish was in season two. She could really help clarify this and other longitudinal areas in which current Quantitude personnel are otherwise clearly deficient. What? Finally, New England lobster is way better than Maryland crabs, and the Boston Red Sox are the greatest baseball team ever. Go Sox. What?
1: Go Sox! Do we need to call someone? Like, do you smell toast right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay. So I'm going to pull a page out of Love Actually, where Christmas is the time to show how you really feel. And there was the guy with the signs. So I'm going to hold up signs. Now, it's a podcast, so you can't see these, so I'm going to read them, all right? So I'm standing out on this brick street, and some music is playing, and I'm holding signs. Am I Kira Knightley? Oh, God, I can't unsee that now. I'm perfect to you. <laughs> okay. All right, I only have one sign, and says... In this time of holiday, when we were all honest with one another, did you go out in the hallway, call Dan McNeish, come back in with your earbud in, and have him walk you through and make us think that you know something at the level that McNeish does. In the spirit of holiday disclosure, okay, yes, I did.
0: I got Dan to help out. Um, I know a little bit about DSM, but I I had no idea what Ellen (laughs) was (laughs) asking about. And Dan, frankly, was no help (laughs) whatsoever. Uh, And he knows a lot more about DSM.
1: But Ellen's question is awesome. Because DSEM is verging on magic. You get a mix time series stuff with multi-level stuff, with structural equation modeling stuff. And despite your answer, I think that there are a lot of really cool things for people to understand here.
0: Yeah, and we alluded to some of that during the intensive longitudinal data episode, but we didn't at all unpack it. Honestly, we really should have a fuller episode where we can really demonstrate the depths of our igno- our knowledge. <laughs> Our knowledge on this particular topic. That'll be nice. Alright, so we've we've done the trilogy, Trinity, Hat trick, whatever. We each did three. L- Laura, can you please make it stop?
1: What will it take? You just name it. Write it down on a slip of paper, put it face down, and slide it over. Under the stall door. <laughs> <laughs> and let us know what it will take from quantitude. <laughs> To make this tragedy end.
2: Okay, so all of us here would like you to join us in a special holiday song. Sound good?
1: I don't hug and I don't sing. Wait, does this go in the banana peel category? Put it wherever you want, but I'm not (laughs) singing shit.
0: What holiday songs do you even like?
1: Those without words. You must like some holiday, even if you're not singing. You must like holiday music. Okay. Okay, one of my favorites is Carol of the Bells. How does that one go? Da 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 da! I told you I can't
2: say. That's really good.
0: That's really good.
2: Okay. Oh, sorry. My my phone is buzzing. Excuse my ringtone. <laughs> At two, Laura. Uh, oh, it's my son. What's your son's name? My son's name is is Ali. Uh,
0: is that short for something?
2: No, it is not. But thanks for saying that.
0: Okay. <laughs> is there a better name that might be short for?
1: Put him on speakerphone!
2: Uh, is, um, okay, hi honey! Hi, Mummy! How are you? I'm okay. I'm with those two guys that talk all the time. But I'm getting through it. Are you having fun? Well, it's fun like when we go to the dentist or to get your immunisations, so, you know. We'll be home soon. Yeah, I will be home soon and we're going to have the best Christmas ever. In fact, whilst you're on the line, let me just check the airline ticket they booked for me. Okay, so leaving tonight, hooray, on Spirit Airlines, um, eight stopovers, uh, arriving back December 28th, what? Okay, uh, well, I'll be back in time for all the fun stuff, right? I love you, mummy. I love you, bye honey. Bye.
0: That was so sweet. All right, Laura, what do we have to do to get out of
1: here?
2: Okay, so the staff have chosen for you Jingle Bells. Nope. Oh
1: come on, really? I just don't sing. I don't participate.
0: All right, fine. Um, should we get someone to stand in for you here?
2: Can we get Giffy in?
1: <laughs> Giffy. <laughs> I believe the correct
2: pronunciation. he. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: He now refers to himself as Giffy ever since Dave tased him. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Laura, oh. please get Giffy in my place. Did someone call for me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, come on, Giff, you come. So, Patrick, will you be joining us?
1: I will be at the bar, current out.
2: Okay, here we go. You ready, Greg? You ready, Giffy? Sure! Here we go. In three, two, one.
0: That's you know go. go. Laughing all, all the way, the way.
2: Bells on the mountains wing Making spirits Come on guys, come on, keep going Okay, come on, let's try it again Go oh, jingle,
0: bells, jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh what fun it is to ride In a one horse open sleigh hey, Jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way
2: Oh what fun it is to ride In a one horse open sleigh We did it.
0: You're not so bad, Laura. What do you think, Jiffy? Mm, Could be Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, good point. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever they go to listen to things while they're on their new exercise equipment before it becomes a place to just hang your clothes. You can also follow us on Twitter, where we are at QuantitudePod, and visit our website, QuantitudePod.org, where you can leave us a message, find organized playlists and show notes, listen to past episodes, and other festive fun stuff. And finally, you can get cool Quantitude merch, like shirts, mugs, stickers, and spiral notebooks, from RedBubble.com, where all proceeds go to DonorsChoose.org to help support low-income schools. You've been listening to Quantitude. In fact, you haven't just been listening to Quantitude. You've been feeling Quantitude. Can you feel it? Can you? I feel it in my fingers I feel it in my toes So if you really love Quantitude Come on and let it show Oh yeah, let it show Come on, let everybody see it Happy Holidays